listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this after the Lakers put a beat down on the Portland Trailblazers. We're going to get into all that. Don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. We are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. The playoffs are rolling. Looks like the Lakers will be advancing to round two, barring a miracle. Uh, joining me as always, Anthony Anthony Irwin. Anthony, what do you what did you make out of this game? I mean, they pumped the Blazers. It was 135, 115. Uh, this was a bloodbath from the start. You remember that, you know, that gif that they have online where it's like the Simpsons one's like, stop, stop, it's already dead. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what it almost felt like watching the first quarter of this game. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, because the bit that I've kind of been running with throughout all this, because you had so much noise uh, about the Blazers, you know, being the kind of team that the Lakers should be wary- afraid of, you know, and 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 one of the things that I've really been rolling with has been the whole, you know, we believe Lakers and this plucky underdog and, and uh, it's a mom and pop shop taking on uh, the tech moguls of the Pacific Northwest. I, it was such an a beat down that I couldn't even keep, keep that bit up. Like it would just, it would, that, that joke died as, as heinous and public a death as the Blazers did in this one. And it was right from the get go. Like I, it, the, the, not only did the Lakers lead from start to finish, uh, they, they led by double digits. Like as soon they never had a lead in this one that was smaller than, uh, 10 points. As soon as they built it up past that point, it was just, you know, they jumped out to that 15-0 lead and and very quickly turned that into, you know, a 20-point lead and then a 25-point lead. And I think at one point they had about a 30-point lead, maybe even more. And it was just it was just very clear. Um, and I think it all started with LeBron. It was very clear that the Lakers just didn't want to mess around with this, wanted to send kind of a message, not just to the Blazers, but also kind of to themselves, remind themselves oh, yeah, that's right. This is not a series that we should be messing around with at all. Yeah, this was like this was their best game that they played since, I would say, the first one against uh, the Clippers, right, when they started the the eight games. And I thought they – the way they came out – it was funny because I was kind of – I didn't say this to anyone, so nobody can verify it, but I was actually just saying it to myself while I was in my apartment. I'm like, I have a feeling LeBron's going to go off today. I mean, look at his stat line, 30 points in, in 28 minutes, 10 of 12 from the field, uh, 4 or 5 from beyond the three-point line, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. Uh, he just made it look easy today. And it seems like when he's dialed in like that, everybody else is jumping with him because the Blazers are done now. I mean, after they won that, the the series opener is like, okay, whoa, 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 you know, what's going on here? Are they going to give him a run for their money? And the Lakers now have blown him out two out of three times. Like, they are not they are not messing around. And 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 to me, I look at it, uh, you look at the contributions they got off the bench. Kyle Kuzma was real good today. He finished with 18 points. Uh, Dwight had a nice game as well. And they were hitting three-pointers. They shot 17 to 39 from beyond the arc. That you're hard to beat a team when when they're shooting like that, and LeBron James is playing the way he did today. Yeah, I, I I just really think over the entirety of LeBron's tenure with the Lakers, the the team has basically matched his intensity level. And when he came out as quickly and as aggressively as he did in this one, it was over. It was just, and that's kind of what we saw in 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 basically all of the Lakers blowouts this year. And 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 really since he w- he arrived was if he shows up and and he really puts his foot uh you know on a team's throat early it's just it's it's really hard for that team to kind of uh you know fight back from from that the, from the force that LeBron can be 
And then and then you know we're talking about LeBron, but Anthony Davis was was a plus thirty seven in eighteen minutes. Yeah. And, you know sometimes you get like especially in a blowout like this sometimes you'll get uh you know kind of wacky plus minus numbers so you don't really want to trust it all the way but no the the plus 37 felt like the plus 37 he was everywhere defensively he was blocking everything he was pissing off the blazers cuz uh they weren't getting the usual touch calls that they that they hope that they can get and it was just over and you know when you had lebron playing the way that he was playing and you had AD playing the way that he was playing on both sides of the court. There, there just are no games that the Lakers are going to lose when LeBron and AD look like that, unless they run up against, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton playing out of their out of their minds, or if you if they run up against uh, Kawhi Leonard and Ivica Zubats running playing out of their mind, because we know it won't be Paul George. Um, <laughs> Pandemic P. Yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> I I think where where we're at here was. And and I think it's really important that the Lakers did this. It was it was just an absolute and utter dismissal to the point where I'm not even positive. I mean, I I hope he's healthy, and and like what comes first is his uh, long term health on this. But I'm not even positive I would play if I was Dame. Like it, 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 there's no coming back from this. Like no. you said, there have been they've been uh, blown out more often than they've played close. It, it to the stage and and in those blowouts it's not like the lakers are reinventing the wheel in those games they're just making shots you know yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing the blazers can really do that that stops the lakers from being this dominant it's just matter it's just a matter of whether or not uh the 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 lakers are are making the shots that the blazers have to give them yeah, and that, obviously that didn't happen in 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 the first game, and that's why they they were able to do that. And obviously, Damian Lillard had a good game. He's dealing with the dislocated finger as well. But you know, even what the Lakers were doing, like you're mentioning, they're hitting shots. But dude, they're playing good. Like their defense was phenomenal today, especially yeah. that first half. I mean, they just they owned the Blazers. You know what I mean? And 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 I find that when the Lakers, and it's it's kind of funny to see because let's be real, right? When you look at the Lakers roster, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are miles ahead of anybody else on the roster. And then you just have a bunch of dudes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of a funny mishmash roster. Like, Danny Green, obviously, he's been around a long time. Uh, KCP's been around a long time. Kuzma, uh, probably the maybe the third best player on the Lakers. I, you know, I, I would probably say that. But everybody else is just like this weird mishmash of players. But when they buy in defensively like that, like, the Blazers look like they had. And, we, you know, you mentioned this. I mean, right from the get-go, it was like, you're getting your ass kicked tonight. And there was nothing they could do about it. Yeah, I think one thing one thing I've really kept a close eye on with the Blazers has been uh, their reliance on refereeing, and I don't I don't mean this as it, it it sounds condescending, it sounds kind of mean and dismissive of of the Blazers, but in order for them to to be able to be as efficient as the Lakers are going to be on both sides of the ball, they're going to need a little bit of help. So uh, you'll see. Hassan Whiteside and uh, Yusuf Nurkic flopping off of the ball uh, to be able to, to to get, you know, a minute here, a minute there uh, to be able to catch their breath because because the Lakers bigs are running them off the court. Uh, you'll see Dame, you know, do that thing, which I wish the NBA would address where uh, coming off of a handoff, if the defender is like anywhere within, you know, a, a one foot radius, 
he's going to jump backwards to try to to try to get to the free throw line for three free throws there. And, you know, in in some games, they are going to get those calls uh, and, and in some games they're going to get those calls and it's not going to be enough. Uh, in this game, they weren't getting those calls, and they got super frustrated as a result. And and I really thought like it was it was one of those moments where they were screaming at the referee really really often, and it, it felt like they were taking out their frustrations with the mismatch out on the referees. Uh, it, it, just because they like sometimes you get into a spot like this, and and even though professional athletes are some of the most confident people on the face of the planet and all they have done to this point is prove doubters wrong because mathematically speaking it's really rare that anybody really gets to the nba and 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 is you know a playoff level player a starter level player a star level player um in 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 every so often though even players as confident as dame is as mellow is as cj is as you go on down the line um are they recognize too that the lakers are just better like they they you have to the lakers are just better and 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 uh they're better at at parts of the game that there is really nothing the blazers can do to to stop them from being that good yeah and, and i think that's what we you know for, if for game one and we have to mention if you are listening to this on monday it is mamba day 824 happy birthday to the dealer departed kobe bryant I guess the Lakers came out with the mama mentality, and that's why they put the beat down on on the Blazers. But uh, you know, like you're mentioning, uh, yeah, it was like in Game One, the Blazers had this swagger about them. You know, they were like, okay, you know, we we did what we did during the eight games, and and we're here to to make a statement. And they look great. You know, in in Game One, they they played real well. And I know some people were hitting the panic button. I looked at Game One like, okay, they kind of sleepwalked through their first eight. You know what I mean? They weren't really. Uh, they weren't really putting in much effort through through the the eight, I guess, regular season games at the restart. But then once game two hit, it's like you slowly started to see the confidence from them being like, yeah, damn, there's nothing we could do to stop these guys. And I think that's where the Lakers are at right now. I think, I mean, we both, I think we both agree on this. They're going to they're gonna win again on Wednesday and end this series, right? Yeah, I think the NBA should probably look into flexing this game earlier on in the day. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's going to get, I, I actually think it's going to be real, real ugly in the sense that it's going to end up being uh, um, like a 25, 30 point loss. Because the Blazers now, you're pretty much at this point where you're like, I, they want to get the hell out of out of the bubble, go home and, and do whatever it is they're going to do. But um, yeah, I, I, it's funny because I do remember after game one, how people were, were having this like uh, panic attack Lakers fans like, oh my God, what's happening here? You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is going to be a series. It's like, dude. The Lakers are 10 times better than the Blazers. Are they, can they catch them, you know, once out of five or six times that they're going to beat them? Of course. You have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, who are both capable of going off. But I wasn't. I was just like, all right, this is going to be – we said this before last week. We said five or six games that, that this series is going to go, and, and that seemed pretty accurate. But like, like you're mentioning, you're looking at guys like, like Melo and, and, uh, and C.J. and then you even got Nurkic on the team. They have a bunch of talent, but what do you think the Blazers are missing overall in terms of that separating them from being – um, no, I don't want to say they're a contender because I don't think they're as good as the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks. But what do you think stopping them from actually being an upper echelon team? Well, the the game nowadays is played at the wing. Uh, now, I, I you know if you have a crafty point guard who can get ridiculously hot, then that's a good way for you to be able to to kind of that can be a bit of an equalizer. But if you have if you're growing up against a team with LeBron James on it and your hopes lie in 
Wenyan Gabriel starting early on or Carmelo Anthony or Gary Trent Jr. You're just not going to win that matchup. It's just it's just not going to happen. Uh, and and for the Blazers, if they ever really do want to take a step forward, they need to they probably need to move off of Dame and CJ and see if they can, uh, you know, move one of those guys for a wing who can who can defend a little bit like one of my one of my favorite, you know, hypothetical trades uh, is the the Sixers sending uh, Ben Simmons to Portland for CJ McCollum. And, you know, because you you know, CJ is, is not going to be a very good defender ever over the course of his career. Uh, but if he goes there and, and and he has Joel Embiid kind of backing him up, then maybe that makes a little bit more sense. And then you take uh, Simmons out there to Portland and some of the spacing issues get solved because Dame shoots it from everywhere in the greater Washington area yeah. uh, or Oregon area. Washington and Oregon for, for yeah yeah years. well they're connected okay, we'll, 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 we'll let you slide on that one right <laughs> um, but but the uh, but but you know I I think you know when you're at, when you're talking about like what's going on here with the Blazers it's the same thing that they've run into just in general is that teams with really long wings and athletic uh, players out on the perimeter tend to give Dame problems because uh, the play in the playoffs gets a little bit more physical. And and you have guys that are more capable of chasing him out there on the perimeter. And, you know, we saw it there with the with the Warriors where Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson were out there blitzing him, you know, 40 feet from the basket and just begging anybody else in the Blazers to make a shot. And and I you know, they, they're going to keep on running into that problem. So long as Dame carries such a heavy burden on that offense, what do you think they're missing? Uh, heart and soul, and any anything else that could come with it. No, I mean uh, I agree with you. I mean I, Damian Lillard is is obviously an all star. I don't think he'll ever play to an MVP level candidate because the team he's on right now just isn't good enough. But like you said, I think they're missing role players. You know what I mean? I mean it's great to have guys like uh, it's great to have Melo and and Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic and. Like they sound, you look at that that team, you're like, damn, that that sounds like they're pretty, you know, they're pretty top heavy. But you look at their bench. I mean, Gary Trent's a nice piece, obviously, but who else do they really have? And you look at just the the the, the style that they play and the system. Like you're like, it just they don't seem very cohesive as a team. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just mm-hmm. uh, it's it's almost like a one on one offense, and and there's no not, not a lot of ball movement. So I, I again, I, I think they are going to make a, a, a change at some point in the summary that you mentioned. I mean, the, the McCollum. Uh, it could be dealt. I think Bradley Beal will be out there as well, but he's you know he's pretty similar, I would say, to to Lillard and, and CJ. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to configure that that roster in and definitely in a different way going into the 2020-21 season. Um, let's hop into a few more topics. We'll do that after a short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, getting back to the Lakers now. Okay, so you're looking at the other. And, and last week, I know when we were talking, we were like, hey, we're both taking Denver in that series over over uh, over Utah, but. Uh, Utah's been killing it. I mean, Spider Mitchell's been been sick too, but the Lakers will end up end up matching up with uh, either the Rockets or, or the Thunder. That's been a real good series as well. Uh, the game they played earlier today was super entertaining. I don't know if you got to catch that one, but that one's tied up at two two. Um, which of those teams do you want the Lakers to play in the next round? Do you think they'd, they'd get past OKC a little bit easier than than Houston? Man, I don't know. I I I want to say Houston just because. There's so much variance in their approach, and they can be such a dangerous team. But 
again, like it just gets back to what what is it that the Lakers typically have trouble with? And uh, for me, one of the things that that, you know, I, I don't really, really enjoy seeing the Lakers go into is a series with a big as physically uh, imposing as Steven Adams can be. So, you know, just because just because it's not so much that Adams completely negates A.D., it's that over the course of a seven-game series, I don't want AD taking that kind of a beating because he's going to have to play long minutes at the five, and yeah. and I don't really think that that's the, you know, no matter how the series goes, he's going to be a little, you know, bumped and bruisey. He's already dealing with those back spasms, um, uh, you know, that, that the Lakers announced. Though so I think that was more of like, a, yeah, AD is just not coming back tonight, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I, 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 Houston scares me more, but, uh, don't sleep on OKC that, you know, Chris Paul is going to run circles around everybody who's guarding him. See, Shay Gilgis Alexander is kind of coming into his own, uh, Danilo Gallinari has always given the Lakers fits because he can, he's a big who can stretch the floor. Uh, so, so I, 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 I think Houston still wins this series, but if OKC gets through, I think the Lakers are still going to six or seven with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, a, they're, they're just a weird, weird team to, to play against. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, AD was awesome in, in this game too. I mean, he only played 17 minutes, like you mentioned, but defensively what he brings to the team and yeah, the Lakers would, would need him out there a lot more. And Steven Adams is going to be banging with him as much as he can. But I, I mean, the Rockets, again, they're a team where it's like, okay, well, if Harden goes off for 40 or, you know, 45 in a game, they can probably beat the Lakers once or twice in a series. The Thunder, I feel like, do you remember when, um, when the Kobe-led teams played, uh, played the Houston Rockets and that, that one went to seven? And it was almost like you knew the Lakers were going to win the series. Mm. And they had like Aaron Brooks and those guys. It's almost like I feel like that, that's what OKC reminds me of, not in terms of personnel, but they just have a bunch of scrappy dudes that are going to turn it into a series. So I think for an entertainment purpose, I would like to see the Lakers play OKC. If it's uh, going to be easier for the Lakers, then yeah, I think I think the Rockets would be would be the way to go. I want to jump into a couple other things too. The Clippers, the Clippers. Well, how, what do you think <laughs> about that series with the Mavericks? I mean, okay, Luka Doncic is just sick, right? And again, I feel sorry for Sacramento Kings fans because I write for their website and it's like. You look at the fact that they have to see Marvin Bagley out there 14 times a year, and you're seeing what Luca's doing. Uh, are the Clippers, and, and you, we touched on Pandemic P, but um, are they? Are you less afraid of the Clippers right now? I don't want to say afraid in the sense that you were like, oh, the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers, but have they kind of looked at a point to you where it's like, I don't think these guys can compete with the Lakers either. Well, I think by the time the Lakers would see them, they would have some of these things figured out. So in that respect, they would still make me kind of nervous, but I don't know that they actually get to that point. And you know, we talk. We've we've talked a bunch about uh, the the Lakers' approach to winning as many games as they possibly can, really valuing uh, the competition and trying to win uh, the and trying to earn the top seed in the conference. And then you kind of look at the opposite uh, of that approach, and then that's with uh, Kawhi Leonard sitting, you know, every fifth game or something like that, and 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 uh, and just in general, you know, the the, the Clippers have never really been you talked about the cohesiveness about the the blazers the the clippers are, are dealing with the fact that they're trying to play catch up against one of the best offenses that the nba has ever seen so uh i i think if the if the if the clippers do make it to the western conference finals by that point some of the co- the, the the questions of cohesiveness uh get answered 
and they're a very dangerous team. But I'm not positive they actually get like this is the very first time since these playoffs have started that I I actually ha- I find myself wondering, wait, can the can the Mavs actually do this? Yeah, can they can they actually pull this off? And you know, if they do, it would be one of the bigger upsets of of my lifetime. Quite frankly, nobody nobody saw that coming. Well, I know, and the, the, the impressive part is that they, you know, the way they're playing and how they're doing it, and they did it yesterday without Porzingis too, which is crazy to yeah. me as well. You know what I mean? And and I was watching uh, watching Doncic play. The more I watch him, the more I'm like, yeah, this dude can can kill you on his own. I mean, you look at his stat line from that game: forty three points, seventeen rebounds, thirteen assists. I'm like damn, this kid could ball. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I, I'm with you too. I'm like, I'm interested to see what happens in game five. I think if, if, the, if the Mavericks can win game five, I'm going to take the Mavs to win in seven. If the Clippers win in, uh, if the Clippers win game five, I think they'll end it in six. But I, I'm with you, man. I mean, obviously Kawhi Leonard's a, a special, special player. He's awesome. There's no doubt about that. But you look at what Paul George is doing. Can you imagine him going up against like LeBron? And, and he's a great defender, Paul George is. But I mean, I, I think LeBron would just eat him up on the, on the offensive end. So to me, I'm actually less afraid of seeing the Clippers now than I was before. And I agree with you. It's going to take some time and they'll try and figure things out, but something just doesn't seem right to them when I'm, when I'm watching them play. You know what I mean? They're, they're getting wins off of just strictly the fact that they have all that high end talent with, with Kawhi and, uh, and Lou Williams being, being as good as he is. And they have that depth, but I don't know, man. I mean, I, I do think the Mavericks can, can, can pull it off and I'm kind of, I'm rooting for him. What about you? Oh yeah. I'm definitely rooting for the Mavericks just because I don't want to have to play the Clippers if I can avoid it. Um, the other thing too, I really find it interesting. I find it fascinating that we are now in year 10 of Paul George's career and he has to like go out of his way to block out social media noise. And like, I, like, and, and, like to be clear, fans can be awful sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I myself partake in trolling on the internet. It's, it's fun to me, but. Oh, you're good at it, right? It, well, you know, it depends, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who you're asking. But the um, but with with Paul George, I find it really interesting that not only is he like having to turn off comments on his Instagram and and uh, apparently the Clippers are like trying to talk to him as much as possible to get him out of his own head. And like, I want to know where that is coming from. And one of the things I was really thinking about, too, today on this subject specifically is. Kawhi doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would have very much empathy for this. Yeah. You know, like Kawhi, somebody who doesn't really have Twitter or social media all that much of, uh, is, 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 you know, one of the most quiet stars ever. But, but on top of that, like if Paul George was to go to Kawhi and say, Hey man, I'm dealing with this. I feel like Kawhi's response would be like, so deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Get over yourself, man. We're in the playoffs. And and I don't know. I don't know that that's really uh, um, a, a leadership tandem that you can really build around where one star is is very reclusive. And then the other star is too online. <laughs> so like, it's not like they're going to even each other out. And it makes for this really weird dynamic here with that the clippers now have to deal with on top of by the way luca doing things that we have like never like very rarely if ever have seen from a 21 year old in this kind of setting despite what Shaq says yeah yeah and even you know what and you know what with paul george man i 
and Kawhi. Kawhi, first off, is New Balance, right? Is anybody else personify what their endorsement is than Kawhi Leonard signing with New Balance? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just yeah. he's boring. He's just there. But he, I mean, like I said, Hard he's a hell of a, hell of a basketball player, though. But um, and it's interesting you're talking, you're touching on Shaq and even the the TNT crew, like Charles Barkley. What the hell are you talking about, Charles Barkley? <laughs> right? He's talking about them coming back and it's going to be a sweep and all this. I know it's all for good fun, but I mean, you watch that game tonight and. Um, you, you you know you watch how everything goes down and and when the Lakers are playing like this it they're it's gonna be hard to beat them four times out of seven but um yeah like looking at at, at Kawhi and, and and PG on the on the Clippers side of it it's like what is how do you get so bad in the playoffs year after year like what what, what do you think it is that that is is it just the pressure is it the is it the moment like what what do you think that's getting to Paul George and I will say this I've met Paul George a couple of times he's actually a really nice dude so I'm not gonna try, I'm not gonna rag on him as a person but when it comes to basketball. What do you think is, is is getting into his head that's that's making him perform this terribly in the playoffs? I mean, I don't I I don't know the guy well enough to be able to say that you know he's mentally soft or he's this or he's that or anything like that. So I don't I don't want to you know knock his character in ways that I can't right now, given how little I I've never interacted with the guy. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but he does. He does seem in some uh, situations to really deeply care about being liked and saying whatever it takes to be liked, even though, you know, the things that he has said, it's like one of our favorite running jokes in Slack is, oh, Paul George is saying things again, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he says he grew up a Laker fan or, or he grew up a Clipper fan, but he grew up a Kobe fan and he grew up this other fan and he grew up like this and that and and uh you know that whole documentary that that he made us watch where he was going back and forth and back and forth on the on this decision um like the the whole thing like his entire kind of persona is is one of somebody who i i think cares deeply about what people think about him and and that's like one of the red flags when when you're looking at somebody who is actually like that is di have they ever made a social media post where they're like oh i don't care what you guys are saying about me like the, the fact that you are tweeting yes, you that right? yeah <laughs> yeah the, the fact that you're you're going out of your way to to tell us that you don't care tells me that you care yeah. you know and 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 i think when it comes to these playoff moments i, I think he gets very quickly he falls into quicksand where he feels like, you know, the, the, the noise gets, you know, creeps into his head m m more easily and more easily every time he's in the situation because he's still trying to prove everybody that, no, that isn't who he is, when all of the proof to this point points to that actually being who he is. Not only has does he not make, you know, big shots, but he has a proclivity to for, for those shots being hit in his face, you know, and and it's just I, I find it really a, a really bad sign that Jermichael Green is out there saying, yeah, we've been talking to him, man, and, and he just can't seem to get out of his own head. Like, if you can't get out of your own head right now in the first round um, against an opponent that I thought the Clippers matched up really well against, uh, and, and for some reason, Kawhi and, and Paul George aren't just hounding Luca all over the court. You know, they're they're doing this hyper switchy thing 
that leads to Reggie Jackson guarding Luca in the biggest moments of the game. And and that to me, like at some point, Kawhi has to say, nope, F this, I'm gonna guard him now. Or Paul George is 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 one of the best perimeter defenders I've ever seen. You would think at some point he would go out of his way and say, Nope, yeah, Luca's just not gonna score on this on this play. And and the fact that that isn't happening, and then you kind of pair it with the amount of noise that we heard about the Clippers locker room throughout this season, and then the amount of noise that we're hearing coming out of of uh, Paul George and now other players that are, that are apparently talking to Paul George, it's just there's a bunch of smoke here, man, and and I I don't think we're that far away from finding the 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 fire source. I did probably not a great reference to make right now, but. No, no. But the, <laughs> but the, but when 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 you're looking for, you know, w- the source of the issue here with with Paul George, it's it really I think comes down to he's in his head, and the closest thing to appear he has on that court pro or on that team, probably isn't all that interested in in guiding him through getting out of his own head. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's gonna. I mean, it's amazing to see he went, you know, from Indiana. And it's funny because those Indiana Pacers teams, they were pretty deep. They didn't, I mean, I don't think Paul George was as good as he is now. But, I mean, you know, they, they made some runs in the in the uh, Eastern Conference and gave the Heat a run for their money a couple times when LeBron was playing with, with D-Wade and Bosh there. Then you look at, like, it just didn't work with him in OKC. Then, you know, he wants to find a way to come to the Clippers. It's like, obviously something's not right with you, dude. You know what I mean? If, it, if, it, if it's coming down to it. So, I, at this point, if the Clippers end up do facing the Lakers in, in the conference finals, I would take the Lakers in, in, in five or six. Unless, like you mentioned, like, in, in game five, they should be having Kawhi Leonard just be like, you know what? Screw what happens on the offensive end with me. Like, I'm going to guard Luka Doncic all night long, all day long, whatever it is, whatever time they're playing. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and make them beat you. And then it's in- interesting to, for me to see how bad they've been at adjusting. And that's something I think Frank Vogel did a, did a very good job of after, after game one. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the, before the series even started that, you know, they, the Lakers have all these options off their bench. And I love the fact that Vogel isn't like, hey, I'm just going to roll with an eight-man rotation and this is what we're going to do. It's like he's, if a guy's playing well, he'll, he'll give him some extra burn. And if he's not, he's not afraid to sit them down. And, you know, we haven't seen, we didn't see much today from J.R. Smith and, and Dion Waiters. They didn't need to be like that. But if they're playing well, all right, I'll keep them out there a little bit longer. So I, I love what I'm seeing from Vogel. And I think he's been one of the better coaches at adjusting to, to what the opposition is doing so far in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he has an easier job than than some of the other coaches out there. Um, but but I, I, you know, that's one of the things I was really looking forward to here with Vogel was that over the course of the regular season, he was very good at adjusting at halftime and putting the Lakers in a better spot to be able to win. Um, even while it was kind of frustrating to see some of the lineups that he was going on early, uh, going with early in those games to like necessitate such an adjustment. But uh, at the end of the day, the fact that he was able to so regularly make that adjustment and and then carry that over to the playoffs. Um, and again, he's doing so against um, an eight seed, probably very clearly the worst team uh, in the Western Conference playoffs right now. And and a very flawed team that the Lakers match up specifically specifically really well against. So you know him adjusting to yeah we're gonna blitz Dame a lot more or we're gonna have Kuzma play center field uh, just to really bother bother Dame and and really bother CJ whoever of those two has the ball. Uh, it's a little easier to make that adjustment compared to we have to try to stop Luka Doncic from going freaking. 
super no. nuclear <laughs> and 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 did stop him from doing these like historically insane things that that has been he's been able to do so uh yeah kudos to vogel for making the adjustments that he's making uh it's just you know the the lakers and and this is why they fought for the top seed uh that they they are going up against a very much lesser opponent and and as evidenced by tonight's game where they just they just beat the crap out of them. Yeah, and, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see that happen again in in uh, in game five. Like we said in the beginning, you're with me. This series is over on uh, on Wednesday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I'm not positive we're gonna see Dame again. I really hope that he's healthy. But uh, that was essentially a non-contact injury that he had there, and um, you know he tried to give it a go, which you know can be a, a good sign sometimes, but. Uh, you know, he pretty immediately pulled himself out of that game and walked straight back to the to the um, hallway back there. And there were some reporters saying that, you know, he was in some pretty visible pain, even just standing there. So yeah. uh, hopefully hopefully he's OK and 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 hopefully he can give it a go, not just for for the sake of the competition in this series, but also moving forward, because we don't know how quickly they're going to be trying to resume uh, next season. So any any time that he misses or any, you know, super serious injury puts him at risk for next year, too. And I, I really want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And hopefully he, he gets back healthy. And, and like I said, I mean, it, maybe it's time for him to end. I don't think he wants to leave Portland, but maybe it's time to end that that whole experiment of of being, a, you know, I mean, I know they made the conference finals last year. Um, again, I think that was a, a little bit of luck because the, the Warriors ended up playing the the, the Rockets in, in, in round two. But. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I I don't see I don't see it working out there long term. I mean, this Portland team. Um, I'm disappointed with the effort that I saw from them in terms of I actually wanted it to be a good game leading up to today. But then you know we had the whole Mamba Day thing and and the way LeBron looked and he was speaking. I'm like, oof, you know, this is gonna be a rough one for the Blazers. So um, I, I think the Lakers will wrap it up in five. You think they wrap it up? The Lakers will wrap it up in five. And now I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. So uh, Anthony, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on as as always. And and I'm sure we'll be talking next week when the Lakers. Well, we should know who the Lakers are playing because game seven of that Houston uh, Houston OKC series is on Saturday or Sunday. Pardon me. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it, man. I, I the the series initially the first round of the playoffs looks like it might be kind of a, a snoozer. But uh, OKC coming back and tying it up with uh, with with Houston and then the Mavs doing what they're doing to the Clippers. Uh, that's that that makes this first round all, all the more fun. And then, you know, the Lakers taking care of business is a nice uh, cherry on top. Yeah. And like we said, the Eastern Conference playoffs are a snooze fest. And that's exactly Always. what they are. So so at least, you know what, we don't have to, uh, the second round will be interesting. I don't mind seeing a, a Milwaukee, Miami and then the Raptors and, and Celtics. I think that'll be those will be good series. But the first round in the East always, always sucks. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to our podcast network as well. The Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us pretty much all anywhere you get your podcast fix. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And of course, SilverScreenRoll.com, where Harrison, Christian, Sabrina, the entire crew has you covered. That does it for this episode. We'll catch you all next week.